Blog Talk Radio. I'm your host, Brian Tarvin, joined tonight with co-host Jonathan Miklos. A lot of college football to discuss. We are finally at the point. You know, as always, after July 4th, we you start getting serious about the upcoming college football season. This upcoming week, SEC Media Days, which is an event all by itself. Once it gets rolling, that's when college football really starts starts heating up. This is the last month that we'll deal without football. So I know in August we'll see some preseason NFL, maybe a college game in August. I haven't checked the schedule, but the first weekend in September, Labor Day weekend, that's when kickoff happens. All of the college teams will be playing, and man, I am pumped up, and I know everybody out there is. We've been laying low the last few weeks. We had we did a show two weeks ago, but now it's time to to really get into fast pace. We're going to start previewing different teams out of the big Power Five conferences. Tonight we're going to look at Clemson out of the ACC, Georgia out of the SEC, and Texas out of the Big 12. And and out of these three teams, there's at least two that really have a legitimate shot to win their conference and to represent the conference in the Final Four. So which team will it be? What will Jonathan say? Because Jonathan – He's a co-host, man. He's done his homework. He knows college football inside and out. And I think Jonathan knows every sport inside now. Hockey, golf, baseball, basketball. Jonathan knows it all. Jonathan, man, welcome to the show. Glad to have you with us. Hey, it's great to be on, Brian. Thank you. And, you know, you don't need to flatter me too much. I mean, okay, maybe I do know tennis. Uh <laughs> <laughs> Well, yeah, I no, I mean, you got three great teams picked out tonight. I, I did do my homework, looked over their schedules, looked over strengths, weaknesses, returning starters and everything, and I, I feel comfortable with my assessment of these teams, you know, that, that we'll be going over tonight. Yeah, not only we're going to talk about these teams, we're going to talk about some other current events, and I know Florida State's in the news a little bit, but Jonathan, I promise I won't beat you up. We won't beat Florida State up. I think we've done that over the past few years. Everybody has, so. I'm not in Florida State beat-up mode. I'm just in what's going on in, in general in college sports and how do we get control of this, this issue we have? Because now with social media, with people with cameras, every phone has a camera, you can't hide anything. So if you're out there, Jimbo did the right thing, and I don't know if you've heard this. Jimbo Fisher has banned his players from going to bars, which I think is a great idea. What do you think, John? Oh, I love that idea. Um, you know, the first thing I, that crossed my mind were over both instance, incidents that had been um, brought to the spotlight the past, you know, two weeks was what are these guys, A, what is one of them doing at the bar at 19? But, B, what are these guys doing at bars in general? It's off-season workout time. Y'all don't need to be out there until 2 or 3 a.m., uh, you know, getting hammered and, you know, getting face time. So I love that Jimbo went out there, put down the hammer, and said no more bars. 
Um, I mean, that, that's one of the things that Bobby kind of did that a lot of people didn't really know about. Uh, you know, Coach Bowden had strict policies. You know, he was big against guys going out and drinking. He was really big against, you know, guys even smoking, um, you know, things of that nature. So, I, it's, it's good to see Jimbo go ahead and put his foot down. I think it's needed. I think more teams across the nation should do it, and we'd see less and less of this happen. Yeah, and good for Jimbo doing this, and I agree other coaches should fall into the suit with this. But here's the here's the big test, Jonathan. What happens when the star of the team, just say in a month or two from now, there's a big win in Tallahassee, he's in a bar, he gets sighted there, someone has a picture, camera phone, takes a picture, puts it on social media, what does Jimbo do at that time? Uh, he's going to stick to his guns, and he's going to kick them off the team. Whether it's Dalvin, uh, Ramsey, even, you know, let's say Winston was still there, it doesn't matter. He, he's going to kick them off the team. Uh, Jimbo's had it. His, he, he's going to run out of run out of patience with the kids. And, you know, people bring up, well, why are you recruiting this kid and that kid? DeAndre was a straight A, never been arrested, never been in trouble with a school student. So what what happened there was totally out of his character. Uh, and it's really unexplainable when you know who he is. Same with Dalvin. Dalvin's another one who's a good student, who's a good kid. So nobody can really explain either one of these situations and their mislaps and judgment. Um, so, you know, with Jimbo, though, he he laid into the team pretty hard when they had that team meeting. I mean, he laid into them hard. You know, the whole, you know, brimstone and hail speech. So, I think the players get the message across, and he's going to look to set an example out of one of them if somebody decides to get out of line. Yeah, and these kids are under a tremendous amount of pressure. And if you'd like to call in, the number is 646-716-5564. We'd love to hear from you. Join us in chat. Ask your questions there. And But, Jonathan, these kids, in July, you start seeing a lot of trouble because it's so, you're so close. Even these kids, the pressure it's almost here, the competition, the season's upon us. And these kids just have to learn that, look, stay out of any place where trouble can be because if you're a star player on the campus, there's always somebody wanting to start trouble. They want to get in the news. They want to get you in trouble. And that's that's exactly what happened. I watched the video of, of DeAndre, and, yes, he shouldn't, have hit, he shouldn't have punched a woman. There's never any excuse but we don't know everything that led up to it. We don't know the history of those two people. So, but the, the bottom line is, stay out of bars, leave women alone, and it's you know it's just it's disheartening. But I think Jimbo Fisher learned he's going to have to preserve his job. He's going to have to preserve his integrity, you know, in the universities, and he's just going to have to say, look, if, if we don't win a national championship every year, that's fine. But we're going to do it the right way. And, uh, and I, it's kudos to Jimbo for finally laying down the law. But, it's you know, you, everybody makes mistakes. We all, you know, we act later. But at least Jimbo didn't make a attempt right now, you see, to he's kicking people off the team. He's putting stiffer rules in. And we'll see if it holds. But some sad news in, in football. I don't know if you – it's before our time, really, Jonathan. Kenny Stabler, mm-hmm. the former Oakland Raiders quarterback, played for John Madden in Alabama and Paul Bryant dead at 69 years old. Uh, thoughts on Kenny Stabler, and why is he not in the Hall of Fame? You know, I don't know why he's not in the Hall of Fame. He was an excellent player when he was at Alabama. He might have even been a quarterback that was slightly ahead of his time, as they would say. 
And then the NFL, he was an excellent player. I watched, you know, growing up, I've always watched a lot of the old games just to get a grasp on history and also because, you know, football is my love. Um, it's a shame to hear that he passed away so young, especially from, you know, stage four colon cancer. You know, once you get the hold of you, it, it's going to get you. It's not a matter of uh, of if, it's when, unfortunately. Uh, you know, and, you know, it, you know for to, to Alabama fans, to the Stable family, everybody, I mean, you know, you get past condolences along. Cause it, it's, it's a crying shame to lose somebody that young who really, you know, meant that much to not only his university and his region, uh, being you know Mississippi and Alabama, but also to the to the nation as far as football goes. Yeah, and Grace Reach in the chat room asked on the, the question we were talking about with Florida State: Will the new rule by Jimbo Fisher hurt recruiting or win championships, Jonathan? You're the Florida State man. Uh, you know, I think at first, you know, a bunch, uh, some recruits are going to take a step back, and it's going to ding the recruiting a little bit. Because, uh, you know, kids nowadays, you know, I'm 21, let's be honest. So, you know, this is my generation we're talking about. And right now it's all about getting out and partying and, you know, doing your craziness. And I'm not a big fan of it. You know, take care of your business, pass on when you want. Get make sure you take care of your business. Don't 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 affect your off the field. Uh, you know, is it going towards you can win some national championships doing it? Of course you can. You see plenty of teams that don't have trouble that can win. You know, it happens all the time. You know, I mean, this isn't, you know, University of Miami in the 80s. You know, we've seen Nebraska in the mid-90s. They had some troubles. When you look at the, some of the main core of the players, your Tommy Frazier's, your Jim Tebow's, guys like that can stay out of trouble. They can do the right thing. And I think that's what you need to look at more often than not, because most of the time when a guy gets, not, you know, gets drilled with something, they focus on the university. If you take it away, DeAndre was the third-string quarterback. Only reason this made big, big news was because he was at Florida State. If he was a third-string quarterback at, like, Georgia Southern, nobody would paying that much attention to it. <laughs> so I think that's another thing people need to take into account, that if it wasn't a big-name school, then I don't know if there would be as much attention, you know, towards DeAndre. Dalvin, of course, Heisman Trophy candidate. DeAndre, not as much. And that's a great question, though. That was a great question because it is going to hurt recruiting, but the recruits you get will be serious. And if I'm a, I'm a parent out there, my kid's going to college, I'm actually looking at Florida State more because of this. You know, before, you know, people said it was going to hurt recruiting because Jimbo was a little loose. But now, you know, you get the people that are serious about coming and playing football at Florida State. And, and you know, they, they're talented. Every, I mean, Florida State is one of the most talented teams in the country. And that – you know, equates to championships. You, you know, the year they won the national championship and they beat my Auburn Tigers, that was one of the best Florida State teams I remember. I mean, there's a couple probably better, but that was a great football team, and they didn't get in trouble all the time. Those guys were were all business. They were beating teams by 40 points. That's what they need to get back to. No distractions, no bull crap in the offseason, just straight winning football games. That You could tell the difference, Jonathan, between last year's Florida State team and the national championship team, the hunger level. I mean, this was all business in, in 2013. Definitely. That was a team that was focused on business. That was a team that was focused on getting back to Florida State football. And that was one of the things we keep preaching as fans and at the university at every level. They keep preaching, let's get this back to Florida State football. That's a big thing. You know, Florida State football was 14 straight top five. There was two national championships. It was three national championship appearances in a row. You know, that was Florida State football. And when we went through that tough spell where our recruiting suffered, the recruits that we were getting were helping the team suffer because we did have some troublemakers who were coming in. 
uh, the tail end of Bobby's career. Don't don't let anybody lie and sugarcoat it. You know, we had teammates stealing from their own teammates. You know, and that that wound up being a widespread issue between Florida State, Florida, and Miami. Unfortunately, was the three schools wound up recruiting some unsavory characters at the time and were paying for it not only on the field but off the field. But last year there was so much. You're right. There was a lack of hunger. There was so much inexperience from the talent we lost. Because, like you said, one of the best football teams you, that you, you know I've seen in all reality. How many teams do you know? All 11 starters from a team, including some key backups on top of that, made it to the NFL. You know, I mean, we're talking about, you know, your quarterback, top two running backs, your fullback, your top three receivers, tight end, your five offensive linemen. All of them have either been drafted or undrafted free agents signed, you know, the next day. That's pretty impressive. So, you know, this year I think Florida State, what it is is that, you know, you're going to see the hunger come back from the freshmen that were part of that national championship team. Yeah, that was that was one of the best teams that you remember that game. Florida State was a ten point favorite, ten and a half point favorite over a very good Auburn team, the champion out of the SEC. So, point spreads aren't everything, but it kind of gives you a, a base to look at talent. You look at Florida State's talent. You look at Auburn's talent that year. There was no match. Florida State was just head and shoulders at every position, probably more talented, but Auburn had that that offense had could run the football good and, and pose problems for defenses as good as Florida State. They were they're not used to being on the field for that many plays and hurry up. So Florida State was a great football team and there were conversations that that could have been the best Florida State team ever, you know. But I think Jimbo's gonna turn it around over there. I think he's learned a lot from Winston. I I think sometimes you just have to go through the fire and all the persecution and that's what Jimbo did and now he's going to start straightening it, straightening it up. So I'm excited to see what Jimbo does. It's going to be exciting. We're going to talk about Clemson in a few minutes out of the ACC. That's one of Florida State's opponents. Interested to hear what you think about that. But I do need to talk about <laughs> uh, Pierre Paul here at the Giants, Jonathan, on 4th of July, <laughs> losing a finger, losing a finger shooting fireworks. Now, I mean, how do you do that? I mean, you're an NFL player, you know, you're, you're a millionaire. What are you doing getting your finger blown off shooting fireworks? Is that maybe in a contract somewhere where you, you can't shoot fireworks or something, or maybe they'll start putting it in the contract? Well, I wouldn't say that falls under the whole off-field clause that every team brought into their contract after the Kellen Winslow situation with the motorcycle. I want to say every team started putting that in the contract. Hey, don't do anything stupid off the field or we're going to get you. I mean, Pierre Paul, you know, stated he wasn't going to sign any uh, extension offers or the, you know, the franchise, the tender tag until July 15th, which is the deadline. Well, the Giants have a four-year, $60 million offer on the table, and then he blows, you know, he goes ahead and the firework incident happens. And the Giants are like, uh, we might want to pull this. They send their trainer down. He doesn't even get to go see Pierre Paul, even though he's at the hospital for the whole day. They, you know, he wasn't allowed to go see Pierre Paul, apparently. So the Giants decided we're going to pull that offer, and then you find out he had his right index finger amputated. I mean, he just lost a lot of guaranteed money over a long term. Now, luckily, he's the defensive end. You know, he might, you know, if he's if he's a natural right hand down end, he's going to have to switch to his left. He can't really do a three point stance with his index finger. Um, but. You know, it's just a, it's a weird situation. He wasn't the only football player to do it. Uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers uh, cornerback C.J. Wilson did the same thing. 
apparently he was shooting off Roman candles, and the Roman candle actually exploded in his hand, and he lost two fingers. So it, it just brings the, the, the question of what are players doing messing with fireworks to begin with when you have so much on the line, especially in the middle of training camp. Yeah, I just think, you know, they're humans, and, you know, I mean, you just lost $60 million, I mean, over fireworks. I mean, use your common sense a little bit out there if you're – you're listening and, and you're well off and, and your hands are very important. I mean, anybody that works, usually, you know, your hands are very important, especially your index finger. So, I mean, just do things, be smart, and realize you don't, you know, break your, uh, just shoot fireworks. It's better than the guy up in Maine, I believe, that shot fireworks off his head and killed him. At least, at least he's alive here, you know. So, yeah, uh, anyway, I, I had to. Yeah, I had to throw that out there. I apologize. But back to Kenny Stabler just a moment before we get into our breakdown. You know, I, I do. I did watch some highlights of him over the years. I've heard a lot of people talk about him, but I know you were too young and I, were too, I was too young. But in 1967, Kenny Stabler had the 53-yard run in the mud in the Iron Bowl to beat Auburn 7-3. to I mean, when Iron Bowls are where legends are made, you know that, you know, in the Alabama-Auburn rivalry. So Kenny Stabler is always going to be – a household name with Bama fans just because he beat Auburn, John. Yeah, I, I definitely. I mean, you're right. That's that is where legends are made. That's where coaches are uh, fired, as I like to say. <laughs> um, I mean, how many times has a coach got fired because he's lost three in a row? You know, um, you know. Ed Stable obviously had a had one of the greatest moments of his you know athletic career. And with with that play right there, no doubt about it, you know, it, it rivals up there with the Bo Jackson performance and things of that nature. Yeah, and, uh, I mean, Chris Davis, you know, not not a very – you saw him in the national championship game for Auburn against Florida State. He couldn't cover anybody, but because he ran that 109-yard missed field goal back for a touchdown to win the Iron Bowl, he's, he's going to be a legend forever. This guy doesn't have to do anything the rest of his life. He's always going to be – a legend in the state of Alabama. So the Iron Bowl is very important. But Kenny Stabler, I mean, he was a very good quarterback at Oakland, you know, played under John Madden. And Bear Bryant, if you're going to play under him, you you have to be good. But, I mean, Kenny Stabler, 69. What I mean, it just seems like football players don't live a long life to me. It's just like this is old for a football player, 69. I mean, do you think it's going to start getting better now with the concussions and and things like that being investigated more, safety precautions. Well, what do you think the the life expectancy? You may not know this, but what is the life expectancy of a football player? You know, a life you know, a life expectancy for an average American male, I believe, is seventy seven now. Um, so for him to pass away eight years technically before he's supposed to hit that middle ground is obviously a shame. I know football players are supposed to be more towards sixty five. The life expectancy it's because your your body just gets. It's a rough sport. Your body just gets beat up. It's like a rugby and a hockey player. You know, your body gets assaulted every time you you set foot on that field. You know, and I think with the protocols he's taking with uh, tougher uh, drug testing as far as, like, steroids, I think that's going to be huge. I think some of the concussion tests will be big because you won't see guys who rack up, you know, seven, ten concussions. In all reality, if you have four or five, they say you should quit. Uh, you know, I, I think, you know, with every the steps the NFL is making, some of the steps they're making at least, it will be beneficial to extending that, you know, that life expectancy. But, unfortunately, you know, just like, you know, being a, you know, any other athlete in a tough sport, 
you know, your body's going to break down quicker. You know, by the time they're 40, their bodies are that of a typical 60-year-old man. So it's just they have to find a way, if you can, to try and, you know, keep that body young. And that's why I think you're seeing more tandems, if you will, like how they have two running backs now. And you're rotating, you know, linebackers and linemen in and out on the defensive side. Not only to keep you fresh and, you know, keep you, you know, at your top level during the game, but also it'll prolong your career. You know, and guys are going to fight against it because the more they play, the more money they're going to earn. But the longer your career, the lo- the more money you can make as well. Yeah, and I think now with the rules in place to really protect quarterbacks and, you know, protect the head-to-head shots, I think, you know, people will be healthier and last longer. And maybe, you know, by then in the next 20 years, you never know what's going to happen medically where they could, you know, get anybody to live longer. Heck, I may live to – Probably my luck. I'll live to 200. They'll they'll figure out a way for me to do that. But anyway, Kenny Stabler, just like Grace Reed said, should be in the Hall of Fame. We we both agree that Kenny Stabler should be in the Hall of Fame. I think maybe he will. Maybe now that he's dead. But I'm having some chat room issues right now, so if you, we don't have many in there right now. So I'm trying to get the chat room working. But you know, we're close, Jonathan. We're very close to college football season. Like I said earlier. This is this is the last month without football. When does preseason start? The first of August or is it first of August? Yeah, I want to say the Hall of Fame game is going to be that first uh, that first week of August. And I am I'm ready for some football. I mean, it's, it's uh, I've been going through a lot lately, and you know, I haven't thought about football much, but now it's getting closer. You start you start looking at these magazines, you start reading up on your team, all the moves and. And it's it's almost time for camps to get started, um, fall practice. I'm ready, man. I know we're, we're going to talk about three teams tonight that I'm interested to see in your opinion, and I know we, we'll probably differ a little bit. But let's start out, Jonathan, the Clemson Tigers out of the ACC, a team last year that, that surprises people. I didn't realize this until I started doing a little research, how good that defense was. They had the number one defense in the country. Mm-hmm. Did you know that? Oh, yeah. Oh, of course. I mean, that was part of, you know, when, when people decided to start bashing Florida State and everything, that was always one of the things that always seemed to pop up was, wait a minute, look how good this defense for Clemson is. I mean, look how ridiculously good this defense for Clemson is. You know, you, their offense, the reason Clemson won as many games they did last year wasn't because of their offense. Deshaun Watson didn't play all the time. They had uh, that other kid in who couldn't play quarterback to save his life. It was the fact that their defense took over games. Yeah, and in your eyes, the the offense sputtered last year. And this was a team. What were they? Nine and three last year. Maybe ten with a bowl. Or yeah, that's what I believe they did finish that. Yeah, ten and three. Ten and three. They lost to Georgia the first game of the season. Todd Gurley went off. That was a road game can't really penalize them for that with a new quarterback. They lost to Florida State on the road in overtime. A game they could have won, but without Winston. And then they lost to Georgia Tech, and that was after Watson went out. They had a 3 to nothing lead in that game. But if you look at it, Clemson, a couple of just a breaks away from being in that playoff. I mean, had they beaten Florida State, Jonathan, had they beaten Georgia Tech, you're looking at a 11-1 ACC champion probably 12-1 and one after they won it, that's a, they could have easily made the playoffs. 
Oh yeah, easily. I mean, and what they did to Oklahoma in that in that bowl game, I think, kind of shows that when they showed them up, put forty on them, you could see what could happen with a healthy Deshaun Watson. He's clicking. Cause people forget he played with a torn ACL against South Carolina, and they still won that game handedly, thirty-five seventeen. You know, if he starts against Georgia, and if he starts against Florida State, we might be talking about a, a you know a, a Clemson team that's undefeated. Go, you know, going uh, going to Atlanta to play Georgia Tech, you know, and even then, you know, let's say he doesn't get hurt again, he plays against Georgia Tech. This Clemson team could have won the table last year easily if Dago had made the right call and started Watson out the gate, you know, because we saw against Georgia, he came in first play touchdown. Everybody went, "Whoa, wait a minute, who is this kid?" You know, so I mean, this Clemson team last year, very good team, just some bad bounces. Yeah, and this is a team that gave up 16.7 a game. You put that defense with Auburn last year, they're, they're hanging up another banner. I mean, that's how good this defense was. The offense, now remember, they lost their Chad Morris to SMU, but three years ago, after they got embarrassed by West Virginia, they brought in Brent Venables from Oklahoma. This guy has recruited very well. And, and, and granted, they're, they're losing on defense a lot of great players. You know, I'm not going to say they're not. You know who I'm talking about, uh, Big Beasley? Mm-hmm. He's gone, right? And uh, yeah, there's a couple Rick other Beasley's ones. Yeah, Beasley's gone. And that's, that's a huge loss. But I'm, Dabo Sweeney's teams are usually, you know, they're a little overrated, it seems like, over the past several years. And everybody's waiting for Clemson to make that move and make that move. This year, they're flying under the radar. And Dabo has recruited very well. He's very consistent. He's actually built something good in Clemson, but let's let's look at what they have coming back. Watson's there. They have two offensive linemen coming back starting, only one wide receiver starting, but and they've lost what, nine starters on defense, but they do have Alexander at corner. He's a lockdown and curse at safety. The secondary should be good, um, but there's a big question mark. How good is Venables? Will he be able to turn this defense around? losing them that, that amount of starters with that kind of schedule. We'll talk about that schedule in just a moment. Uh, I mean, you know, offensively, bringing back Mike Williams is huge for them. He was a very good receiver for them. He's very talented. Uh, Artavis Scott, I actually played against him in high school. <laughs> um, so I know how good Artavis Scott is. That boy can fly. and He played a lot last year because, you know, they go with a more of a spread offense. Artavis Scott's going to be a good player for them. Uh, unfortunately, they were returning two starting offensive linemen. But Isaiah Battle, what was it, about two two weeks ago, decided to leave their starting left tackle. He was taking yep. the melon draft right. by the Rams. Um, I mean, they're returning their starting center, which is huge. To me, having your starting center is just as big as your left tackle. People always undervalue how big centers are. You know, Ryan you know, Ryan Norton's going to be a, you know, a very – he's going to be the keystone for that line this year. Uh, you know, it, it's going to be rough for them on the outside, though. Are they going to flip Joe Gore from right tackle to left tackle, the senior they have? That way they're going to have some leadership over there. They're going to wind up starting one of the freshmen. That's going to be interesting. I think at guard, they're solid. At running back, they bring back Galman. That's, you know, he's a good running back. Clemson always seems to find good running backs, though. That's never been an issue for them. You know, defensively, Shaq Lawson's going to be huge. He's going to be their pass rush guy. And Mackenzie Alexander is a shutdown corner. You know, there was, you know, there was a big heated debate, you know, where he was going to go. People were saying Florida, Florida State. I mean, everybody wanted him. You know, he chose Clemson. This is huge, you know, as a true sophomore. 
Can he take that next step and be your true shutdown corner? Exactly, and and I forgot about battle, man. I, I forgot about battle, but looking at the recruiting class for this year, um, Mitch Hyatt, offensive tackle for Swanee, Georgia, but but let's let's talk about offensive linemen for a minute. How much can you depend on freshmen? There's not many freshmen that can come in and actually contribute in the Big Five conference, Jonathan, without any mm-hmm. experience as a freshman. You know, receivers happen, running backs, you know, defensive players. But what about the offensive linemen? Is Clemson just going to have to 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 work with what they have now and just hope that if one of these guys develops during the year, how are they going to? get past this offensive line this year? Well, if we learned anything with Florida State last year was if he's good enough, he can play. We, you know, we moved Cameron Irving from left tackle to center uh, about halfway through the year. We were having some issues uh, with, you know, Hofield and Barron. So we moved Irving to center, and we started true freshman Roderick Johnson at left tackle, and he held up really well. He looked really good. You know, so Mitch Hyatt has a chance to start for Clemson, but Clemson and Florida, they're going to be your guinea pigs to watch this year to truly find out how ready freshman offensive linemen are because they're both going to be starting a couple. You know, it's going to be interesting to see how that actually works out with them. You know, and I think Clemson, though, luckily, because they operate out of the shotgun predominantly, the linemen won't have as much pressure on them, at least on the interior. Your tackles definitely will. You know, they're going to send the gunners after you all day. But I think that's going to give Deshaun Watson is perfect for that offense. It's going to give him time, though, to have the three in the middle because he can move around. He's a mobile quarterback. He can step off. You know, yep. we just got to make sure, though, that they get a dependable left tackle over there because he can save the right. That left tackle, that's his blind side. He's got to make sure. They got somebody over there who can protect him because he's coming off the injury. And on the two deep, the left tackle, Mitch Hyatt, the freshman. I mean, <laughs> we're going to see, but it's a great point, Watson being a dual threat. You don't want some quarterback that, that can't, is not mobile and can't get out of the pocket with an inexperienced offensive line. Great point, Jonathan. One thing that when I looked at Clemson that did concern me a little bit was, of course, the players lost, but the schedule. They have five road games, and, and granted, it's you know Auburn had five last year, and most of them were very tough. You look at Clemson at Louisville, at Miami, at NC State, and at Miami, NC State are back to back. Then they turn around, they have Florida State at home, but they they go to Syracuse and to South Carolina. Man, Jonathan, that's tough. I mean, I know. Syracuse is not a great team, but on the road, they can beat you. NC State, the same way. Miami, how good are they going to be? That's the key. But Clemson's schedule, and I think you told me this earlier, Jonathan, could be the toughest in the ACC. It could. It could easily be the toughest in the ACC because they got to go to Louisville on a Thursday night. And if I, if, as a Florida State fan, if I learned anything, you don't want to go up there on a Thursday night. You know, we're one and one at Louisville on Thursday night. I thought the first one was a loss back when Bob Buchanan was just making his bones. Not not a great memory. But, you know, you, you, have, you they go from being at Louisville on a Thursday night to then, you know, they have a week off and everything. Then they got to play Notre Dame at home. Then they got Georgia Tech at home the very next week. You know, they got back-to-back tough ones right there. You know, and you're right. That back-to-back with Miami and North Carolina State, is you know, that could be a tough – tough test. You know, going to Miami is not as hard as it used to be. Their fan base is completely shrunk, at least inside the stadium. It's pitiful. But <laughs> as far as going to NC State, 
doesn't matter. It seems every year going to Raleigh is miserable for everybody. They, their the crowd is energetic. They're always into it. It's definitely going to be interesting to see how that goes. You know, and then coming back from Raleigh, you got to come home to Florida State. That's tough. That, that, that's going to be a tough little road for them because then you got to go to Syracuse. It's like you said, it's tough playing that dome no matter who it is because of how loud it is. You know, they only pack 30,000 in there. But when they get going, it's loud because the noise ain't got nowhere to go. Going to South Carolina has always been tough for Clemson. And it's going to be interesting to see how they can handle that, even though South Carolina looks like they're going to be down in the swamp this year. Exactly. And, you know, we're, we're going to go through the schedule. We're going to take um, just a break in just a second to, to run an advertisement, you know, help pay the bills. So we'll be back in about 30 seconds. Thinking about switching telephone service for your business to voice over IP, but you don't know where to start? We'd like to tell you about Clear Voice VIP from Telesystems. It has more features than traditional phone service, is more reliable, and can save you up to 60%. Call us toll-free at 866-608-7182. Clear Voice VIP is business class phone service you can count on. 866-608-7182. And we are back live, way in sports talk this Sunday night, getting ready for some college football. We're in the middle of discussing the Clemson Tigers. If you'd like to call in, 646-716-5564. If you want to bring up anything, it doesn't have to be Clemson, feel free to do so. Jonathan Miklos, thanks for joining me as the co-host tonight. And we're talking about the Clemson Tigers. I'm I'm worried. I know Cuervo, he's in the chat room as well. He He thinks Clemson's a big player this year. I'm a little worried. I, I like them, but that schedule, Jonathan. Louisville, though, you know, one thing about their schedule at Louisville, I think it's going to take a few games for Louisville to, to get going. They open up with Auburn. They could be a little beat up with that one. And then Notre Dame, Georgia Tech, those three games in a row are tough. But they do have a bye week after the Louisville road trip to get ready for Notre Dame and Georgia Tech. If they can survive that those first five games, Jonathan, I think they're a legitimate contender. You know, playing Florida State at home, we don't know exactly how it's going to look towards the end of the year. But if Florida State, if Clemson starts five and zero, what, what do you think they're going to do? I have Clemson starts five and zero. I think they can easily run the table uh, because I think once you get past Louisville, Notre Dame, and Georgia Tech, those schedules. I mean, outside of Florida State, it, 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 it's definitely doable. Um, you know, I think this is a team that when we're talking about a floor, your worst-case scenario, if you will, I think it's an eight-win team. Uh, you know, and if we're talking ceiling, I don't know if Clemson can run the table this year. They definitely should have talent to do so because of the way, like you said, Dabo's been recruiting. I think this is a, somewhere between a 10, a, probably a 10-win team is where I have them pegged right now. Obviously, things change. Guys get hurt. Guys leave. But I think right now Clemson is probably a 10-win team. But, I mean, they, they come out the gate 5-0. and There's nothing stopping them from going 12-0. and Yeah, and I like it. that I think they can beat Louisville early in the season on the road with Watson. Um, Notre Dame, remember, that's a home game. So, I think Clemson's a 10-win team as well. I think they are going to stumble to a team that they're not supposed to. And, and that happens a lot in college football. I think they're going to win a game that people are going to think they're going to lose as well. So I'm thinking ten and two, nine and three at worst. I think nine and three, ten and two, eleven win team. You know, after a bowl win. So would that be okay for Clemson fans? Ten and 
ten and two regular season. They play in a decent bowl game, a real good one. Maybe not the playoff, but they win that one. What are Clemson fans going to say about that? I think if, if you told if you told Clemson fans at the end of the day, you guys are going to go eleven and two this year. You're not going to win the ACC, but you're going to go eleven and two. You're going to play in a New Year's, you know, you're going to play that New Year's Eve game, the Chick Fil A Bowl or whatever. Maybe even you sneak into a New Year's Six Bowl. And you win that. I think they'd be happy. It shows progress, especially the fact only returning, you know, five total starters. I think that would be a you know a huge you know boost for them, and that just sets them up for even more success, you know, next year and the years and the, you know years after. Yeah, well, that's the Clemson long or Clemson Tigers <laughs> in a nutshell, right there. Both of us think this is a team that could contend for an ACC championship and also possibly. If you do that, you have to start talking about the the playoff, the Final Four. So we'll we'll look at Clemson, see how their practices are going. And but right now, we both think that this is a, a chance for a successful season. So let's move on to another conference, the Big Twelve. A conference disappointed last year that they both of their champions got left out of the playoffs, and so now maybe they'll just do one. But the Texas Longhorns, a team that six and seven last year. You know, they lost their bowl game to Arkansas 31-7. to How does that thrashing by 24 points to Arkansas carry over to this season, Jonathan? I think Charlie Strong, if I know anything about him being the coach, he's going to use it as fuel for the fire. You know, and, and that was the way, you know, last year, that was him trying to weed out a team and figure out a process, see which guys he's going to keep, which guys were better off getting, you know, getting out of town. You saw him weed guys out at the beginning of the year. We knew Texas was going to be in for a tough call. Once you know, you saw a couple of their starters essentially get told, "Go home. We don't need you." So, I you know, I think when you take a thrashing like that, and as rough as the season as we wound up having last year, I mean, you know, it was rough. They got smoked by BYU. They got beat up by Baylor. They got blanked by Kansas State. And then TCU and Arkansas combined to smack them the last two games of the year, 79-17. to 17. I mean, that's rough <laughs> to end your year like that. But I, I think, if anything, with Charlie Strong and his toes, guys, let's let's get some positive and let them go. You know, forget what happened last year. You know, that doesn't that has no effect on this year. We've really got to get this going. We're Texas. We're not Texas Tech. Let's get it going. Yeah, and, and, you know, when I looked at Texas this year, I looked at who they had coming back. I looked at the schedule, of course. But one thing that concerned me was they're changing their offense. They're going to spread, hurry up, Jonathan, and I've seen teams do that, and it just takes a time. It takes a while to adjust. You know, going to a spread from a power football team is, is not easy, and it's, it's not just the quarterback and the center. It's all the linemen. It's a different kind of football the receivers have to know how to block. It's just – it's all this, you know, what do you think about them changing the offense? How long is it going to take them to get into a groove where the – I mean, the offense was terrible last year. I'm not going to lie. You know that. How long is it going to take them to develop so they can run to the, you know, the last half of their schedule to be able to be competitive? I'm worried about the offense. Well, I, I guess you know, you're, po- you're positive for them. Is that that they have quarterbacks like Swoops, Hurd, or Loxley. It's either going to come down to Swoops or Hurd, mostly running that kind of a system. Um, you know, Swoops is, you know, he's a high school legend in Texas. You know, they call him Vince Young Jr. I think it's a good offense to get somebody as athletic as him. 
to get him into that. We saw, you know, with Nick Marshall at Auburn, not exactly the most talented quarterback in the world, was playing corner, you know, before he even got to the JUCO to transition back to a quarterback. So I think Swoop's still on the offense. But you're right, it's going to be tough. Uh, you know, it's not like, you know, they're playing a bunch of cakewalks up to date either. So this offense has got to learn to adjust on the fly. Yeah, and the Big 12 is all about offense. I mean, it's it's a league where I, I actually enjoy watching Big 12 football, but your defense has to be good, I mean, to an extent, but you have to be able to score points. And looking at this schedule for Texas, I mean, at Notre Dame to start with, that's that's hard. You know, you got a, a quarterback, a new system, a lot of new coaches. Charlie Strong cleaned house. So now you have all these assistants trying to, to get used to, you know, to a system and get used to these players. And you start up with Notre Dame and Rice at home the next week. Uh, California, a Pac-12 team that's not going to be a cakewalk. Oklahoma State, the road games concern me a little bit. At TCU, you know, the Oklahoma games played in the neutral side. At Iowa State, at West Virginia, and at, at Baylor. I mean, that, it doesn't bode well for Texas. I think the defense is going to be, of course, Charlie Strong and his defense. But the question is, swoops. And this offense, are they going to be able to pick up the offense and be able to score points? And and right now, Jonathan, I honestly don't feel comfortable saying that Texas is probably more than a six-win team. Yeah, and it's hard for me to disagree with that. Um, it really is because they're they're going to have you know right up the gate, Notre Dame's going to be a tough game. There's there's no doubt about that. Rice, they they should beat. <laughs> let's let's take that out, you know. But Cal's a team that's been improving. They got a heck of a quarterback in Jared Goff. Uh, they've been doing some wonders with their offense. So it's going to be fun to actually see that game with Texas' offense is up to speed. We can see some up and down, back and forth scoring going on there. Um, you know, and then you get Oklahoma State, which we don't really know what to expect from Oklahoma State. Offensively, we know they like to go wide open. So let's see what happens there. But the problem with the Oklahoma State game is the very next, you know, the very next week they got to go to TCU. I mean, can they avoid looking ahead of Oklahoma State to see TCU? They're at TCU, you got Oklahoma, you got Kansas State. They get to go to Iowa State, who, even though I got friends up there, uh, I mean, there ain't much positivity going on at Iowa State. Texas does seem to struggle there from time to time, so that's the one that, you know, one advantage the Cyclones might have. But I think Texas should take care of that game. But they, you know, and then they got Kansas. Another joke. We go West. They go to West Virginia. I think West Virginia they should be able to take care of, it, even though it is on the road. Texas Tech, I think, is going to put up more of a fight this year. I really do. But I think they should win that game. Going to Baylor, they're going to get smoked. I'll tell you right now, they ain't beating TCU and they ain't beating Baylor. They're getting smoked by both of them. I mean, I'm talking 30 points, easy. There's no doubt about that. So it's just how can they handle their game against Oklahoma State? How can they handle getting Kansas State at home? And if they can win those games, we're talking about an eight-win team. You know, easy. You know, and then Oklahoma, it always seems like it's a coin flip. I mean, last year, Texas, what, didn't they boat race them last year? Yeah. Now, they, they, lost, they lost close last year. If they were say it was the year before, they boat raced Oklahoma, and nobody saw it coming. So, you know, that's always seems like it's a coin flip. And the first week of the year at Notre Dame, what are we supposed to expect from Notre Dame? Edward Goldson's in Tallahassee now. I mean, is Malik there already? They said they want to say he's ready. He showed that he could be ready at uh, in the bowl game against LSU, but are we positive he's actually ready? You know, Notre Dame is getting some of the guys back from their academic suspension. That's going to be big for them. 
But, I mean, this Texas team, their schedule sets up fairly and unfairly at points. It just depends on how quickly, like you said, that offense can actually get up and get going. Yeah. I just think it's uh, it's very important, the first game of the season for Texas. If they can go on the road, pull off a win at Notre Dame, the next three at home, these guys start 4-0. and Then you have people believing. You have confidence starting to brew, and that's what Charlie Strong wants. That's why he can work with. But I still think Texas is a year away. I think Charlie Strong is going to do a good job this year. I think the offense by the end of the season is going to be better. The defense is going to be good. But I think next year another recruiting class comes in. I think Charlie Strong has his team that could possibly win the Big 12. I I like Charlie Strong. I wasn't big on the hire initially. I I really, really like Charlie Strong and what he's doing. And we have some idiot in the chat room here. I don't know. I guess he's offended because we don't love Texas. I can't. Uh, I can't really tell. But K Fan FM. I don't know. Have you ever heard of him or her? Nah. Okay. Okay. I'm just trying to see. Trying to read that. I don't. I don't like reading profanity too much on on air. So keep the cuss mm-hmm. words down so I don't have to kick you out, bud. So we'll just put it that way. But, you know, Charlie Strong's a good coach. He's cleaning house. He cleaned house when he first arrived. He's cleaning house in the coaching staff. He's going to have his team next year, Jonathan. Swoops is going to come back. He'll be the quarterback next year as a senior, or maybe some freshman or sophomore beats him out. But I, I like Texas next year. The schedule will be more favorable. <laughs> they don't have to play TCU on the road and Baylor on the road. I think they'll next year is the year they could win the Big 12. Not this year, though. I would agree with that. I don't, I don't think Texas is going to is gonna push for the conference this year. Uh, with TCU returning Point and, um, and Baylor with the system they have going, even though, you know, it's a new quarterback, Seth Russell is a, a good quarterback. So I think Baylor's not going to miss too much of a step. So Texas, they're going to need a year to learn this offense. There's no doubt about that. They're going to need a year to learn this offense. I think they can get going. You know, and by then, like you said, it's either going to be a senior in swoops or it's going to be a sophomore and herd. You know, maybe Kai Loxley, but, the, you know, the only reason he wound up with Texas over Florida State is Texas promised him a quarterback job because he was going to play a lot out of FSU. So who knows if Charlie Strong might even switch him back out to wide receiver. I mean, that's going to be an interesting thing to keep your eye on. The Texas is swinging a miss on some quarterback recruits. This is the same team that told Johnny Menzel and, and RG3, thanks for no thanks. And K-Fan FM in the chat room, he thinks Charlie Strong is not a very good coach. He thinks he's going to be fired. And, and and I wasn't, trust me, I wasn't big on Charlie Strong either. I didn't like the hire for Texas. And I think one thing that could hurt Texas, and it has hurt, is being in the Big 12 right now. The Big 12 is nothing. I mean, you look at it, it's not, it's not as prestigious. And they're trying to get teams like, you know, other teams that are smaller to come. I think Texas needs to go to another conference. But I think Texas A&M in the SEC, you know, is killing Texas right now. Mm-hmm. TCU with Gary Gary Patterson starting to hurt Texas. I think Texas needs to maybe try to find another conference. But we'll see about that. But Texas in the Big 12 is going to be going to be pretty fun to see what they do. But anyway, let's go to the SEC conference right now. The Georgia Bulldogs. You talk about a team that. That's overrated. It seems like not overrated. Excuse me. Let me let me do this, Jonathan. A team that's actually talented every year, 
with a chance to play for a championship on a year-to-year basis, but they seem to always choke. This year, it's so bad they have to go get a quarterback, a backup quarterback from Virginia to be their starter, a transfer. The Georgia Bulldogs, are you buying or selling? Just right off the bat, buy or sell Georgia. So I don't, I don't think they belong in the top twenty-five. Uh, and, and <laughs> like you said, well, you got to go and get a backup out of Virginia and Grace and Lambert to come, to come and you know be a starter because you're afraid the guys you have aren't going to do it. You got some issues. Yeah, I, I mean they have. I mean, you look at Georgia; they are loaded at running back. Their defense is getting better. Their, their front seven could be the best in the country. I mean, it just depends on how Payne works out and some of these other guys. But which game are they going to choke? I mean, I, I can't take Georgia serious. They can beat anybody on any given day. And, and I, I can see it right now. They put all their eggs in the basket for Alabama, and then they turn around and, and lose to somebody they should beat, like Florida last year. And I'm I'm sorry I've watched football for a long time, but I never thought that Florida would do to Georgia run for about four to five hundred yards on them last year and just knock them out of the SEC East championship, knock them out of any national championship discussion. Jonathan, that's why I don't like Georgia. I can't trust Mark Richt in in the games he should win. Oh, I agree a hundred percent. That's that's been the biggest problem with Georgia. That you know. That let's you know they like you said they beat Alabama, but they'll come back and they'll lose to Florida or they'll lose to Missouri. Kentucky will take them down to the wire. <laughs> Something stupid's gonna happen, and we're all gonna sit there and look around and go, "What do you mean?" I mean, you know how much money Vegas won on Georgia last year? They saw that Florida game. I mean, it was ridiculous. And the the problem with Georgia, if you look at their schedule, is they have to go to Tech, they have to go to um, Auburn. And they have to go to Tennessee the week after they play Alabama. Mm-hmm. I mean, easily right there. They could beat Alabama and lose to Tennessee next week, or they could wind up losing both those games. I mean, let's not forget, Tennessee has played Georgia incredibly tough the past couple of years, lost in a heartbreaker last year. You know, and, and if they're going to go to Auburn, they're going to go to Tech. Yeah, okay. They're yeah. going to beat Auburn over Jordan Hare. I'll guarantee you that right now. It ain't going to happen. I mean, don't get me wrong. They're returning their whole secondary. They've even improved their secondary uh, by some standards and some of the guys they've brought in, some of the guys they've registered. That could be a very, very good secondary. Like you said, that front seven is incredibly talented. Jordan Jenkins, Leonard Floyd, incredibly talented. But their offensive line returns four of the five starters. Well, but at the end of the day, you don't know what's going on at quarterback because you either got Grayson Lambert, you got Bryce Ramsey, or you're going to have um, uh, Bauda, you know, at, at receiver. I mean, yeah, you have Malcolm Mitchell, but it seems like he's having a hard time standing on the field, and you have nobody behind him. It seems like Georgia can't recruit wide receivers. It really does. Outside of A.J. Green, who have they put in the NFL? I mean, Fred Ginson, you know, I mean, the only reason anybody remembers his name is because of the game against Auburn when he got knocked the smack out. So I'm just trying to figure out why, you know, why people are so high on Georgia this year. Because the rest of SEC East is down, that's not a good reason. That just tells me that you think they're going to win games because everybody else sucks. Well, that means they're going to get smacked against an actual quality opponent. Yeah, and, and one thing, you know, the Auburn game at Jordan-Hare is payback for Auburn, that rivalry game. It's, it's win one, lose one. If, if you have problems at quarterback, 
questions. You're not going to Jordan-Hare and outscoring them. I'm sorry. This is a year where Auburn's going to put up a lot of points, so I'm going to mark that a loss. Georgia Tech on the road. Georgia Tech's already shown they can beat. I mean, they're going to be better. I think Georgia Tech could beat Georgia easily. Tennessee has always played Georgia tough. Alabama, you remember what happened last time. Bama went into Athens, and they had the blackout, and Alabama beat the brakes off of them. But I can't get over last year. I mean, Texas A&M kills South Carolina. You beat Clemson by, what, 24 points, and you have a bye week, and you come and lose 38 to 35 to South Carolina, and you have a winning streak. You you blow Missouri out 34 to nothing. You beat Arkansas handily. And then you have another bye week, and you lose to Florida by 18. I mean, terrible, terrible coaching. Mark Rick, this is the year for him. You either win the SEC East with one loss and contend to play in the playoff or you're fired. I think Nick Chubb is a great running back, but I think he's getting way too much work. If you look at last year, how many times he carried the ball, now you have quarterback issues at Georgia, questions, and now how much are you going to run him even more? I worry about the health of Nick Chubb. They're deep at running back, but if Chubb goes down, Jonathan, it's over for Georgia. Oh, yeah, no doubt about that. I mean, Sony Michelle is a highly talented backup player at running back. He he could easily start almost anywhere else. The problem is Sony couldn't stand on the field. You know, and we saw when Gurley was out that they ran uh, Chubb right into the dirt. And, you know, he is. He's insanely talented. And the knock on him coming out of high school was, well, he played in the lower division of football in high school, so how are we going to know he's actually going to be good? But I think he showed up everybody who said that because he was darn good last year. But can Sony stay on the field to actually spell him? I mean, you're going to see Georgia come out with Sony and Chubb in the backfield plenty of times. The problem is how many times is too many before Chubb just gets, takes way too many hits and he breaks down just like it seems, you know, every other Georgia running back does because they cannot get consistent quarterback play right now. And it's not yep. going to happen this year. Grayson Lambert isn't going to revert back to his high school form when he was a four-star, you know, one of the highly touted recruits in the nation. And, and all of a sudden, y'all are going to start winning games. He went to Virginia for a reason, y'all. I mean, let's not forget that. So, I mean, what 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 what's an honest, real you know, realistic expectation for Georgia this year? Win the East and get smacked in the SEC championship game? It could be a rematch. People are talking about there's a rematch between Auburn and Georgia in the SEC championship game. Let's not get ahead of ourselves. I'd love to see Auburn there, but I don't think Georgia will be. Cuervo disagrees with me. He thinks uh, Rick will be there as long as he wants to be. I don't think so because I know people are tired. I mean, Georgia, you look at their recruiting year in and year out, some of the best recruiting classes. But one thing I'll I'll knock on Jim or Bart Rick to me is he let some of the best talent in the state go out, you know, go somewhere else. And that, that concerns me. That And, Jonathan, are you there? I think, hold on, let me bring Jonathan back. But it concerns me a little bit, Jonathan, that, that he let some of these big-time recruits go to Alabama, to Auburn, to Florida. Mm-hmm. Other teams are coming in and picking some of the best players out. And I know Georgia's a big recruiting state, but the best players have to stay in the state of Georgia. And from what I'm hearing, the rumblings out there from our Rick is they're finally tired of it. The, the fans and everything are tired of the Florida game did them in last year and then losing to Georgia Tech the way they did. I mean, they beat Auburn 
34 to 7 and then turn around and really lose to Georgia Tech. I mean, come on. I mean, it's just the inconsistency of Georgia. Let's go through their schedule. UL Monroe, we won't even talk about. Vanderbilt, we won't talk about. The third game, South Carolina at home. I don't think that's going to be too big of a problem, but if they don't have the quarterback play, we know Steve Spurrier can put up some points. That could be a question mark right there. Oh, yeah, I agree. And that game seems to always be tough back and forth. They, you know, they always seem to fight. Uh, whoever tends to have home field tends to win that game. Uh, is what we've come to learn. Uh, I mean, can Georgia actually win it? This, I mean, when South Carolina is down and actually beat them, the South Carolina doesn't have much coming back. They don't have a big name player that you're pointing out. I mean, yeah, they got a good running back. But outside of that, what do they have? You know, so Georgia should take walk this game in all reality, but it's Georgia. Just you know, just like you said, you you almost expect them to lose this game because they should win it so handedly. Well, and and you know, I think September is going to be okay for Georgia. I think they get through September. They're probably four zero. I'm going to give them credit and say they're going to beat South Carolina. They're four zero after Southern. Then October comes and. <laughs> Alabama, that game's in Georgia, at Tennessee. They come back home with Missouri. It seems like they've had Missouri's number. And then the cocktail party in Jacksonville against Florida. Those four games, what do you see? Two and two, three and one, one and three. What do you see, Jonathan? Well, I mean, Alabama's got the same question going on, except I actually believe in the guys they have at quarterback. You know, so that's going to be a fun game. Derrick Henry's going to get the ball a lot in that game. They're going to, Alabama's going to run the football. Realistic two and two. Optimistic three and one. They're going to lose, they're going to lose out of Alabama, Tennessee. Uh, I, I don't know if they'll beat both of them. Um, I, I, uh, optimism says they, you know, they'll beat at least one. I think three and one, you know, it would be a great month for them. But I think two and two. I honestly do. Because I almost expect them to lose in Missouri or Florida. They should smoke both of them, but you never know. And they can lose back-to-back with Alabama and Tennessee because they can drain their batteries against Bama both the Knoxville and get low. I mean, that's, that's, yeah, that's saying, that reality. Yeah, I think two and two right there. So that puts them at, what, six and two. And then uh, they have four games, Kentucky at Auburn, Georgia Southern at Georgia Tech. I think you're looking at three and one, two and two right there. Uh, two and two, I think, it, 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 it is their feeling. I, I honestly believe firmly that Bama and, I mean, Auburn and uh, Georgia Tech are going to beat them up. You, you know, I loved watching Georgia Southern play last year, and they gave Tech a run for their money. They gave NC State a run for their money. Georgia Southern could sneak up and bite Georgia. They really could. That that, that football team, they're, they're what, what I would call a well oiled machine. They always seem to be in the right place. You know, remember this is the same team, even though Florida was four and eight that year. This is the same team that went to the swamp, didn't throw the ball one time and beat Florida. I think Georgia Southern actually <laughs> could could sneak up and pull off an upset. You know, I but know. Georgia should easily win two of those games. Yeah, so I mean here's the deal. We're looking at based off our projections and this all these are projections. Eight and four. I mean, that's not enough 
to get you three losses in the SEC. I mean, it may get you the East. I doubt a Tennessee's better this year. I, I really don't think Georgia goes into Knoxville and wins. I, I think Tennessee beats them. I think Alabama beats them. I don't think Missouri will beat Georgia, but and Florida I don't. So there's two and two. But Auburn's going to beat Georgia. So we're we're on the same page. But if an eight and four season happens. In Athens, nine and three, eight and four. Bye bye, Mark Rick. Mark my words on this show tonight. What is it? Twelfth, uh, July eleventh or twelfth? What's the day? Uh, today would be the twelfth. Okay, July twelfth. Brian says that if Mark Rick goes eight and four, nine and three, he's gone. I mean, and and also we haven't even talked about Schottenheimer coming in to do the play calling from the NFL. Bobo, one thing about Bobo. He knew that offense. He was a good play caller, and uh, he just had a flow to his game. Now, I don't trust an NFL coordinator. I don't even know if he was a true offensive coordinator in the NFL. Maybe he was a co-coordinator. I'm not sure, but it's not the same kind of game, Jonathan. College and NFL are two separate games, and I have to see how he play calls before I can just start putting Georgia with wins beside him. I mean, I don't know. What do you think about Schottenheimer? I think Schottenheimer could actually be a good coordinator for this team if we learned anything from Cam Cameron. Because Cam Cameron did a pretty good job at LSU. He made Zach Mettenberger an NFL prospect. Uh, you know, that's that's the best way of putting it. You know, he's going to know what he, you know, essentially what needs to be done to get these guys to the next level. That's going to be big for them. But, you know, the the big thing, you know, is now that Bobo's gone, Georgia fans – they can't say Mark Rick. I mean, they can try to blame Schottenheimer, you because know, the past couple of years it's been fire Bobo. That's that's been the thing. Georgia fans, you know, yeah, Mark Rick's head was you know essentially gone, but you know the the, the big big person that a lot of fans want to go with Mike Bobo. Now that he's actually gone, I mean that kind of opens it up and goes, you know, if they do struggle this year like we anticipate. Maybe it is Mark Rick that's the problem, and if that's the case. He'll get fired, and then and then it becomes which team hires him. That that's that's what I want to know. Who's going to be a team that fires their coach that's going to hire Mark Rick? I don't think there would be many, honestly. Uh, I, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it's just I've never been a Mark Rick fan. I've never been one of those that's been on his bandwagon, and and the reason is because he's a he's a Tommy Tuberville. That's what he is. I mean. He's, that's, to me, that's what kind of coach he is. He he gets up for big games and he'll win, but then he'll play somebody's favorite 14, 17 points over and get smoked. And to me, I'm not the only – I think other coaches and organizations out there, universities are smart enough to realize what he is. I'm sorry. It's just the way – and I know Georgia fans are going to be cussing me all week, sending me hate mail, but that's just the way it is. I mean, Mark Rick proved me wrong. That's all I'm saying. Win the win the SEC, play in the Final Four. I don't care what you do in there once you get there, but just win the SEC and play for something big. Do you know Mark Rick? As long as he's been at Georgia, has never played for a national championship. Oh yeah, I mean the biggest game that George, biggest bowl game they've had under him was here the beat Florida State the Sugar Bowl with Anquan Bolden at quarterback. And that's the biggest game Georgia's had. You know, as far as far as postseason play goes. So I, I you know, thought it was the uh, Sugar Bowl against Hawaii, wasn't it? Did he play Florida State? Oh, jeez, I forgot about that one. When they beat Cole, uh, undefeated Hawaii with Colt Brennahan. Yeah. yeah, I forgot sure. about that game. 
but he never got to play for anything big. Every time they get close to that to that game, to that kind of game, it's like they they lose their mind and choke. I remember, um, you know, and and they'll beat you when they're not supposed to. It's just so it's so frustrating. If you're a gambling man, you don't like betting on Georgia. You don't you don't like taking points, giving points because you never know what Georgia team's gonna show up. And Jonathan, mm-hmm. we did three games. We did three teams tonight. I think we did a pretty good job on all three. But uh, I wanted to throw out some bravada odds out there, Vegas odds. Tell me what you think. Right now, the favorite to win the national championship, we know Ohio State. They're number yeah. one. And then we have Bama. Bama is seven to four. I think that's a little high for them. Auburn three to one. Florida State three to one. Georgia four to one. Clemson nine to two, Georgia getting way too much love at four to one. I, I just don't get it. You know, it's because it's the name. Georgia's a bigger name. That's why they're going to get the love, even though they haven't won. Diddly squat. They're they're going to be there. And Ohio State, if they weren't returning so many starters, and if they weren't in the Big Ten, they wouldn't be number one. But here's the thing: Vegas is smart. They know right now we're going to make Ohio State. And Alabama one and two for national championship odds. Not because we think those are the top two teams in the land. Don't get us wrong. But we're doing it because we know Alabama and Ohio State fans are going to throw their money on that. So the lower we have the odds and the off world chance that it happens, we won't have to pay out as much. Uh, that's exactly what it is. Yeah. You know, Oregon should have higher odds than Georgia, I believe. I'm not an Oregon fan by any stretch of the imagination, especially after it would happen in January. But Oregon's a good team. They have a very good system. They might not have a, they great, have a great system. Exactly. It's, it's a fantastic yeah. system. So, I mean, why aren't they up there? You know, why isn't USC up there with all the talent that they bring in every year high school-wise? You know, why isn't TCU up there? TCU is the hot favorite. People are looking back at it going, you know what? If Big 12 actually had, you know, some cojones and decided to announce that Baylor was the Big 12 championship, Ohio State's not in there, maybe Baylor was the national title. Or maybe TCU's in there. TCU might win the national title. That's what we saw TCU do to Ole Miss. And I want to hear the Ole Miss don't care because it's not a, a playoff game. It's a bowl game. It's important, especially to the seniors. Everybody wants to end the year to win a note. Nobody wants to go out losing. There ain't no, there ain't no, no honor in that. Nothing cool about it. No. After what TCU did to Ole Miss, tell me TCU shouldn't be up there. TCU seven to five, they're they're looking pretty good. That's that's good. UCLA six to one, USC three to one, Oregon three to one. They are ahead of Georgia just a little bit, but there's you know here are the teams that are listed. You know to them: Alabama, Auburn, Baylor, Clemson, Florida State, Georgia, LSU. At eleven to two, I think that's a joke. Michigan State eleven to <laughs> Notre Dame six to one, Ohio State two to five. We talked about Oklahoma eight to one. No way that's going to happen. Oregon three to one. TCU seven to five. UCLA USC. And you know we're going to talk about TCU later, um, but that's a team right there to me that I, I think you could just about circle them into that playoff. I mean that team would have won the national championship last year. Had they made that playoff, John? Oh yeah, oh no doubt about that. I mean, they were a fourth quarter collapse away from probably running into that playoff with the number one overall seed. 
I mean, yeah. that Baylor game, I mean, they really got to be kicking themselves after that because, you know, they came flat out. They were dominating teams. They, even were, they were beating Baylor down that day. You know, I think TCU should honestly be probably the odds-on favorite to win it all. You know, and, and that's, that's just my opinion. When you bring it back a senior quarterback, you have a head coach as good as Gary Patterson has been throughout his whole career, and you're in a conference to where their schedule set up favorably. And let's face it, they don't have that big boy team they got to be worried about outside of Baylor, who they get at home. TCU, I think, should be the odds-on knock favorite, no doubt about it. Yeah, and, you know, Ohio State, you look at that schedule they play, and we'll, we'll break them down later. You know, I think one thing that's going to hurt Ohio State, they have three quarterbacks, and I think that could cause some tension because all three think they are the starter. All three could start. And, you know, it's different when a quarterback steps up because of injuries. Now you have all three healthy. Braxton Miller decides to stay instead of transferring. Braxton Miller, if he's your starting quarterback, what does that do to the other two? Uh, I mean, Braxton shouldn't start. He's the worst quarterback out of the three. If he starts because for some odd reason Urban Meyer declares seniority, I think you've officially shut down J.T. and Cardell. They don't care. They just will not care. Uh, unfortunately, let's say you know they open leader at Virginia Tech, and they're a huge favorite. Take the points in that one. Take the yep. points. Take the Tech money line if you really feel gutsy about it. All right, this is the same Tech team that beat Ohio State last year with that with J.T. Barrett. But – if Braxton struggles, how quickly does Urban pull the trigger? Because the minute he pulls Braxton out, his season's over. He's not going to play quarterback the rest of the year. We all know this. So then you put in JT. The minute JT struggles, and he pull, when does he pull the trigger? And you put in Cardell. You've ended two, your two quarterbacks are done. That's what you have to be worried about. It would have been better if Braxton had transferred out. JT starts, Cardell sits again. I don't think Cardell should start. There's a lot of talent there. I get that. I think he should not start. I think JT should start. Braxton throws a whole wrench into this whole mess, and that's a huge problem. If Urban was smart, he'd move him out the wide receiver and call it a day. Yeah. I don't think Braxton should start either. I think Barrett's a starter. Um, he was a starter when, when he was injured, and I know – I know Jones came in and, and did great, but let, let, let me tell you this, Jonathan. It's, when you get hot right there at the end and nobody can really study film, it's different. Now they have a year to look at you. I just don't think you'll see the same success out of Jones as you did the last several games last year. So, I don't know. I just Ohio State, that schedule is the only reason they're in the conversation to me. I mean, that, you could put Tennessee in that schedule. They'd run it probably – you put Arkansas on that schedule and they'd run it. It's, it's just Ohio State should get there because not because they're great, it's because of that schedule. And, Jonathan, we're going to have to wrap her up for tonight, but we'll be back possibly Wednesday, if not for sure, next Sunday night. You going to join us? Oh, always. Uh, you know you know me. I, lo- I love talking college football. I'm in the fever. I actually pulled out and dusted off NCAA 14 and started playing that. All right, man. We appreciate you joining us tonight. Everybody listening, catch the archives. Um, we're going to be back to a regular basis now that football season's here. We have teams to, to start previewing. So make sure you, you follow us on Twitter at Weigh Sports. Like us on Facebook and, you know, talk about some topics. If you want to talk about something, let us know what it is and, 
and we'll put it on the show for you. But have a great week, and we'll see you Sunday. All right, y'all. Good night.